Hi everyone, welcome to the first five years. This is Agassiz coming at you from Clemson University. Well, technically not at Clemson University, but at Clemson University. Hey friends, this is Erica Aguiar, the Assistant Director of the Match in Florida Opportunity Scholars Program at the University of Florida, but not actually at the University of Florida, coming at you live from my living room in my dining room Ikea table. <laughs> welcome friends. Welcome, we miss all of you so much. But welcome specifically to our special micro moments of the first five years. Little mini, mini episodes of joy. Again, we just wanted to take some time to bring some positive energy and some positive thoughts into the world of student affairs. We know a lot is happening right now. Um, and, you know, we were just so excited about introducing this as, a, as an episode series that we wanted to join in on the fun too. So joining us today is our producer, Miles Sorette, um, as well as Eric and I will be sharing our micro moments uh, in student affairs. So welcome, Miles. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk. Excited to talk. Excited to talk. Excited to share. Excited to cry. Mostly me. That's okay. Uh, but I do have obviously the most important question that I love to ask. What's the best thing you ate this week? Who wants oh, to start? Because I'm to ready. Think about it. I'm ready. Go. I'm ready. All right. Um, you know that you've done well if you're on Bon Appetit's website and you find where they've said 100% would make again. Like that's the bar. You find one of those recipes is gonna be good. Now, of I course, did. you could you could mess it up. I I certainly have. But um, like one time, I tried to make a double recipe the first time I made one of those, and the rice got a little got a little overcooked. But you know, next time, rain it back. It was perfect. Well, this time I found one that was this um, uh, steak with spring vegetables um, and a spicy mustard sauce dish. Oof. Everybody, I'm, don't like, don't walk, run to your computer, Google this. If you're eating red meat, which we do very irregularly in our home, but uh, I'm telling you, so good, so good. I honestly, the vinaigrette, the spicy mustard sauce, was delicious and perfect, but it almost felt like I was like doing the steak wrong by putting it on there. But, um, you know, that's what it called for. I, I was like, as I was slicing the steak at the cutting board, I was like sneaking bites in my mouth. So good, <laughs> really incredible. Could not recommend more. This podcast is not at all sponsored by Bon Appetit. <laughs> but if Bon Appetit, if you're out there listening, we are interested, contact our people and we will respond. Also Claire, I love you. <laughs> um, I actually, this is not like a meal, but so I love TikTok. I don't make them because I'm an adult person, no judgment to adults that do. Um, but I found a chocolate chip cookie recipe from TikTok and I actually made my roommate do a taste test because I made the cookie dough and made cookies immediately, then let it chill for 12 hours and then 24. And if y'all are not chilling your cookie dough, you are doing it wrong because it gets... Everyone's been laughing because I'm not actually a chef, but there's some notes of caramel and toffee when you let it soak or let it sit. Oh, they're so good. I still have like enough for 12 or 15 cookies left if I don't eat all the cookie dough raw. So that's the best thing that I ate slash made this week. The first five years does not condone the eating of raw cookie dough <laughs> as it may contain bacteria. <laughs> it's just a warning podcast. <laughs> 
this is a warning. <laughs> this is a, a test of the emergency management system. <laughs> oh, have, y'all, have y'all ever seen the uh, Netflix documentary about becoming a sommelier? I think it's called. No, Sally. I need to. Okay, well, 10 of 10 would recommend, and the way that they, it, so it's people who are studying to take the test to become a sommelier, and the way that they do their, like, testing is just, speaking of, like, notes of stuff, you know, he'll, you'll get somebody who'll take a sip, and they're, like, swishing it around in their mouth, and then they spit it out, and they're like, I'm getting notes of oak leaf, I'm getting notes of, and I swear to you, at one point, someone says tennis ball, and it, <laughs> <laughs> it's just too much, but I mean, they'll do, like, 50 things in like a minute like i'm getting notes of oak leaves i'm getting oaks of tennis balls i'm getting notes of dust i'm getting notes of i mean they're just you know, looking at my blinds uh but anyway yeah would recommend as someone who's gone on <clears throat> someone who's gone on multiple uh kind of taste testings of those natures it is real interesting when they're talking to you about all the things you're supposed to be feeling and i'm like i don't i don't feel that at all i don't sense that i'm not feeling what you're feeling <laughs> no, see, I take a sip and I'm like, ah, yes, this is a red. And that's where my taste testing stops. Really it. Well, <sighs> I'm getting For red. me, uh, the best thing I've eaten this week, uh, I actually just made last night uh, and I was, talking, I was talking about it pre-recording, uh, but I did make some pasta carbonara, um, which, uh, you know, thankfully during this time I've been able to uh, reignite my passions and my love for the kitchen. And I really love trying new recipes. Um, and this is one of them. I'd never made it before. Um, and not too bad for the first time. Uh, but when a recipe is 50% bacon fat, I don't think you can really go wrong, except you that can. it goes all wrong. But it was absolutely amazing. And Miles talking about stinking little pieces, I definitely ate at least two or three whole strips of bacon before putting them all into the actual pasta, uh, which is amazing. And I was still picking them out after that. The bacon, again, you can't go wrong with pasta and bacon. Like just, oh, and so much win. cheese. It Carbonara was is one of my favorites. It was so good. The next time, I'm going to try it with chicken, too, to make like a chicken carbonara. Um, but yes, absolute win. Lots of leftovers, and I'm just so excited to dig back into them if my partner doesn't eat them all first. But I'm going to hide them. So there's that. <laughs> Thanks for indulging me, y'all. Uh, my breakfast was toast, so I needed a little a little revitalization for my taste buds. So today, we, as we've done before, the question that we are asking is, what has been your best student moment of your career? Kind of lofty. I know it's at least hard for me. <laughs> Agassi's making like a lofty stance. Agassi, <laughs> do, you wanna, do you wanna kick us off? You know what, let's, let's go for it. Let's, let's try this out. Uh, I will say that I think when you, when you really reflect on an entire career um, and also acknowledging that my career has not been all that long. <laughs> it's only been a few years here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still a little new, still getting my bearings. Um, it's really hard to I think nail down some of the best moments with students because there are just so many across a, a lot of different platforms and a lot of different ways because sometimes the best moments aren't born out of the best relationships, but just where the best kind of learning has happened, either for you or the student. Um, because I very much believe that uh, I learn a lot from students as much as I feel like sometimes they learn from me. So I do have one student in particular that I will talk about today. Um, and this is a recent student. So this student I've interacted with um, and met during my first year here at Clemson. 
Um, and we've kind of continued our relationship now for the last two years, but I'll kind of start at the beginning. So the student I want to talk about um, in fall, fall of last year, so fall, oh, fall of 2018, I'm so sorry, not last year, we're in 2020 now. So fall 2018, um, I was a learning partner or kind of like a staff member who went alongside the alternative break program trips um, that our office helps facilitate. Um, and we went to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, the topic of the service project was uh, uh, for folks experiencing homelessness. So we worked um, in kind of like a homeless shelter, um, specifically for women and children. Um, and I was able to go alongside a group of about ooh, 10 students, I believe it was. Um, I believe it was about nine students, two site leaders, and me, because uh, we had a full band. So this student, um, you know, from the get-go was quite a go-getter, um, was a first-year student. I mean, already, this is October, so maybe like two, three months into the semester. When I asked him what he did on campus, he literally listed like 18 things on top of being, you know, some kind of engineering major, which to me, if someone says they're an engineering major, I'm already like, whoa, you must be really smart. <laughs> you know, shout out to my public relations background. <laughs> Lots of writing, but not so much the math. So I already immediately was very um, taken, uh, like, I, I was just already so impressed with the student because he had already started listening to so many things he was involved with. He seemed so passionate about what he was doing. Um, he seemed so passionate about service. Um, he was one of those students that was kind of like going around the group and constantly asking people, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Like, we played a lot with kids is what we kind of did a lot of time during the service project uh, or the service trip. Um, and he just really took off with it. I mean, the kids loved him um, and he left an impression and, you know, getting to know him a little bit better in that context. I mean, that was the first time I'd ever been on a trip like that with students. I'd never really like, I don't want to say chaperone because those are adults and I'm not like, you know, they're not children, but the first time I've ever like gone on an overnight trip like that with students um, so I was a little nervous. I was really scared. I was going to mess up something, even though there was only so many things that could I possibly actually mess up. Um, but, you know, this student, again, I met him and I already could tell he was going to do big things. Um, and, you know, we had those intentional conversations of like, okay, so like you say you typically go to bed at three in the morning and you wake up at six. Do we think that's healthy? Do we think that maybe we should scale back? Like, you know, just trying to have those formative and, you know, conversations and trying to challenge him a little bit about where he was and what he wanted to do because he wanted to do so much until the point where literally at the end of the week and I was like look man like I think you could be really great you could do really great things not just here at Clemson but in the world but like I think you just really have to think about what you're doing you're doing a whole lot and you know eventually you're going to wear out and then you're not going to want to do anything so then you can't have the impact you want so over the year, you know, after that trip, um, we've continued our relationship. He's continued getting involved in other areas on campus, you know, being an orientation leader, um, uh, kind of applying himself in his engineering and software, and I, I believe is in one of the hack groups uh, on campus. Um, so again, very smart coding, engineering, technology kind of stuff. Um, and he always comes by and visits. Um, so I think what uh, and okay, I think over the course of the year, again, he signed up to be a site leader uh, for an alternative break trip. And in that, from the get-go, even in his interview, he was saying, I want Agassiz to be my site, uh, be my learning partner from the get-go. Um, at that point, I didn't even know if I was going to go on, a, on one of the ABP trips. Um, and, you know, one of, my, one of my really good friends, one of my best friends at Clemson, she actually is the person who oversees the ABP trip. So from the get-go, she was like, 
hey, just so you know, he's already talking about having you being a, a learning partner. I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't, just don't know. Maybe I won't do it. And he's like, well, he keeps talking about it. So you're probably going to have to do it. He added me to the group mate with all the site leaders <laughs> to, to get me to be a learning partner. He kept bringing it up to my coworker to get me to be a site leader. And so I said, fine, I'm down. I'm going to do it. Let's go round two. Um, so we, for this last fall, so fall 2019, he was a site leader uh, for a trip back to Atlanta, different project, different community agency. Um, this time talking about harm reduction. This is the first time I think I got to, not the first time, but this is, I think, the first time I got to see him in a positional leadership. So where he was the site leader and he was the one overseeing things um, tangibly. Um, and I think that he had some challenges with that. And those challenges were sometimes, I think, to me and to some of the other students who verbalized some of those challenges, um, were apparent in some ways. And I think there was a, we had a very honest conversation at the end of the weekend uh, where folks got to talk about their experience. And I think some folks felt some ways about some of the ways that he enacted his leadership or the way he enacted with students. And I could tell just by his face during that whole conversation that like, he was not taking it well. Like it, like, I, like he was sitting across from me and this whole time that people are talking, I was just like, he must be dying inside. Like, I know that I, people were saying the things they were saying and it wasn't like people were cursing at him or people were saying very negative things to him. It was just, they're being honest about their experience. And I think that's something so needed in leadership. You need to hear from the people that you're working with. They're like, Hey, here's some things that you've done that have kind of harmed or have not gone the way that you intended or had, did not have the impact that you thought it did. So after that conversation, um, I kind of basically ran up to him in a way and tried, very casual. It was like, Hey, like, let's go have a chat. Let's, let's go find it. Let's go find us a spot. Let's go have a talk. Um, and I was like, okay, like, what are you feeling? Talk to me process. Like, how are you doing? And, I mean, he broke down. Uh, he point blank broke down. He's like, I, I can't believe they felt that way. Like, it just, he, you, he, I could read from his face and from just the way he was talking, and he did not want to harm. And, I, you know, I say harm, and I don't mean in any kind of way, like, serious physical harm to where, you know, you know, we had to, you know, nothing like that. But I think some folks are just saying, hey, like, I just didn't appreciate the way you did XYZ thing, or it felt like you were trying to do XYZ things, and I didn't want that. So I think just very honest conversations. and. When I got to a chance to sit down and talk with him, um, he kind of just was able to process and say, like, I just didn't know. I just, this is not what I wanted to do. And I feel so bad. And now what do I do? And they must hate me. And I'm like, look, man, like, you have to understand that here in, when you're, when you're practicing leadership and we're developing as a leader, like, you're young. Like, you have a lot of ways to go. Like, you're, you're barely a second year student here at Clemson and you're already trying to do all these things. Um, and I think that one conversation is something I think back to quite a bit, just because it was the one of the first times I think I got to have like a very, very open and direct conversation with a student about some of the things that maybe they need to think about further in their own leadership. And understanding that maybe there are some spots in his understanding that he's just not understanding of at, this, at that exact moment in time. I will say, I think one of the, the things that came out from that conversation or, you know, after we had our conversation, He's like, thank you so much. <clears throat> he went back to the group. Uh, there was one student in particular who had voiced, uh, I think, some of their displeasure or some of their so the concern or some of their, their pain, for lack of a better word, about, I think, over the weekend. And he kind of pulled her to the side. They had a conversation. 
Um, and I don't know what they talked about. I know that they talked about and they both came out of the conversation smiling. So I'm assuming it was a good one. However, when I did get to look back at the assessments that all the students submitted, there was one assessment. Obviously, they were all anonymous, so I couldn't point them. There was one assessment that started off with um, basically like re evaluating each of the site leaders. Um, and obviously, I could tell which one they were talking about in this moment. But it, the, the assessments start off saying basically kind of these more negative things of like, I didn't appreciate this. It felt very obvious that, you know, he wasn't paying attention or blah, blah, blah. And then the, the paragraph shifted and said, after I wrote this, he approached me and we had a conversation. I really appreciate that he reached out and we had this conversation. Um, I feel a lot better. I'm so thankful. Like just, it was just such a 180 from like the beginning part of the paragraph. And I remember that moment she had asked for her assessment back. I was like, okay, sure, yeah. And then when she gave it back, there was the addition at the last paragraph talking about how much she appreciated that he went and talked to her. And, you know, one thing I was telling him as I was talking to him was just saying that, look, I, I know we were about to do our assessments. I said, I know that if you do your assessment right now, you are feeling the way you're feeling. And that one moment of how you're feeling is not how you felt about this entire weekend. Um, so again, I think after that trip, again, we've remained in contact. That student has gone on to win some other accolades. He recently won a scholarship. Um, which again is uh, leadership based. Um, so it's only showing that he's continuing his leadership development. Um, and I often think back again to that student, he will contact every now and then he'll, when we were in our office, he'd stop by the office and we'd chit chat and he'd kind of tell me about his plans. But even over the course of that second trip, I could already tell such a difference within the year where he had already scaled back on some of his involvement, some of his organizations. Um, and I could tell that he was really starting to, I think, narrow down and honing in on what it is that he wanted to do. I love that. That's so sweet. Like, I think we sometimes think that all these student interactions have to be this like super like positive and, and it sounds like this is a positive interaction, but I think it's like we're in this for the growth and the, the student development side. And I don't think you always get to hear the stories of, and they have like, they, not wrong, but they did something that we had to walk through and was really hard and they had to get a critique. And that's, I think, where the, this is such a bad analogy, but like the meat and potatoes are of what we do. So I think that was <laughs> <Really>? so good. <laughs> I, it's funny. It's funny. Uh, I actually was just talking to the, the coworker that I, I mentioned who oversees the ABP programs. I was talking to her right before <laughs> we started chatting uh, for our conversation. And I told her, hey, just so you know, I'm gonna talk about this student because of course she knows him too. And she's like, hey, heads up, just did the site leader interviews. So he's probably gonna request you to be the learning partner <laughs> again for the fall. And she's like, you're gonna be in a tough spot though because two former other participants who have also requested me are also gonna be site leaders. She's like, you're gonna to have to pick which group you're gonna to wanna to work with. Wow. And I'm like, why would you put me in that position? And she goes, what if we, she goes, what if we did uh, a trivia contest of who knows <laughs> Agus is the best and the winner gets Agus as a learning partner? I'm like, I do not condone that. I do not encourage that. I do not want that. I'm not trying to put people against each other. Um, but I will say, and I definitely admitted this in that conversation, it does feel a little nice that students are like, hey, we want you to come with us. I'm like, oh, me? I'm cool? Yay! <laughs> I'm cool? Oh, golly gee. I love it. Miles, you ready to 
Yeah. <laughs> I guess he's posing. Yeah, um, I'm ready. ready to launch in. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, I think uh, the only thing that I, I've sort of been thinking of is, as we've been getting, getting ready to do this is that I do think that, you know, we're distilling, um, you know, we're distilling moments and I think perhaps setting sort of an unfair bar for what people's expectation for this stuff can be, you know, like this is, you know, I'm, I'm finishing my eighth year in the field now and um, we're talking about, like, I'm going to talk about a relationship that's evolved over a five-year period. You know, like it's impossible if you're new to the profession to expect something like that to happen and have an expectation for a moment like this, I think can put a lot of pressure on things. So, uh, you know, the, the point of this, I think is to, the point of this is to put something good into the world in a time that, I, that is really challenging. It's not to say that like all of our work is like this, you know, like in order for Agassi to get to the point where, to get to the point where he was, there was a lot of like little tedious kind of stuff that had to be done to get to that place. There was, you know, driving a van, there was signing up, there was, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that, all sorts of work that has to go into it. The story that I'm about to tell and I'll reference it kind of briefly, you know, uh, this was the second year of doing this. And the first year that we did it, it was an absolute mess, you know? And so it was like, you know, getting back and doing it again and, and just being in the position for something, for something positive to happen. So, um, anywho, um, so when I thought about going to student affairs, I didn't ever think that I would start in outdoor education and I don't think I'll ever work there again. Um, I grew up in orientation, student programming, um, but shortly after I started my graduate program at George Washington University in D.C., um, an opportunity presented itself for a full-time position running an outdoor program. And as a little bit of background, my best experience to that point at GW had been as a learning partner, just like Agassiz. Uh, but this one was on an outdoor orientation trip, which was right before the start of classes. I, f I found out like maybe 36 hours before the trip was supposed to go that I was going to go. And honestly, I mean, the whole thing was like a mess. We, we uh, were obviously camping and um, we were staying in, I was staying in a tent that was like way too small. And, but they had also, the students had this idea that they were going to tarp, which is where you don't sleep outside in a tent. You sleep with just a, with just a tarp on the bottom and then a, a sort of specifically engineered tarp on top. But you have to set it up right in order for it to work and you have to have the knot side right. And the students, I think, were a little... Um, overzealous in their ability to do that and then we got like eight hours of rain while they were sleeping and a student woke up with uh with the tarp on their nose because there was so much water on the top of it that it sunk down so anyway I mean the trip itself was a mess but it was like absolutely unforgettable um and gave me a real anchor for like okay this is what this is what student uh, student impact can look like um so I had some background at GW, but I don't really consider myself an outdoorsy person. Um, I worked at Boy Scout camp growing up and I like to hike, but like, I think all these things are like, uh, are about comparison. So my friend in my mind, my, like one of my best friends, my whole life, um, he, he was outdoorsy. Like he had hiked the full Appalachian trail after graduation from college. He could make his own camping stove. Like I don't even like sleeping on the ground. So long story short, um, I overcame my, personal insecurity, leapt into this opportunity and working with GW Trails, which was the name of the outdoor program there was uh, uh, absolutely changed my life. Um, so fast forward a couple of years and I'm on a spring break trip with a group in the Grand Canyon. And uh, uh, relevant to my personal life is that my partner and I were expecting our first child in a couple of months. And the year before, as I mentioned earlier on this trip was just an absolute mess. And this one was this trip, the, the story that I'm telling is from the end of this trip. Um, 
this was in 2015 and it was it was like really i mean it was like magic it felt more like spiritual and like ambling than stressful like it was just a very present like peaceful kind of time and i had this tradition when i was a learning partner on these trips on the last night of the trip once we were out of the canyon we were sleeping back on top uh we had all like raced to the to the showers that they had and paid like four dollars worth of quarters for a shower um that i would sit down with all the student guides and just praise them into like as a group but i would you know go through and individually praise each of them um, as people and during this conversation a student that i did not know well and that i had not spent the week with um, she was new to the group and she made what was a pretty bold and and special statement she suggested that our that our child that we were expecting um folks knew that it was that um that he was going to be a boy and she suggested that we name our child forest well <clears throat> the only people in the world who knew at that point that we were in fact going to name our son forest were my partner me and my grandmother whose deceased husband we were naming our son in honor of um, i don't think that i'm going to call the student martha um, i don't think that she had checked with my grandmother so i took it as this like really special moment of serendipity um, once Forrest was born, um, Martha was one of the first people that I texted and they've had a really special bond ever since. Um, Martha knit something for my kids at least once a year. And when we moved to South Carolina, um, she started knitting with this special yarn that she found that was dyed in South Carolina. And my daughter in fact has a, a, a beloved blanket that was made by Martha that she always picks up for me to wrap her up in. And then uh, late last year, Martha guessed that Forrest, um, who she's always just had this really special bond with. Um, would be at about the right age to enjoy Amelia Bedelia. I don't know if y'all are familiar, but um, like she had really enjoyed these stories when she was a kid. So she sent us this book and I can't tell you how many times I've read to him about Amelia Bedelia's uh, various hijinks. So at about the same time that Forrest was born, I became aware that Martha was trapped in a, in a really long battle with mental and physical illness. And um, she was and is such a special person and her peers really saw that too. So as this is happening and she's forming this bond with my kids, um, I think that they recognized uh, that her peers recognized what I had too, that Martha cared so deeply for everybody around her that it, um, she sort of embodied that famous Maya Angelou quote, quote of forgetting what people say or do, but remembering how they make, how they make you feel. Um, that's like 100% who Martha is. So in spite of everything or maybe because of it, Martha just kept getting put forward for more and more responsibility in the group. And eventually she became the president and day to day grew into the most inspirational student leader I've ever worked with. Um, and, and she claims in coordination with what I think is her own bravery and hard work and a lot of great mental health professionals and the love of the peers in her family and a really special dog that she has. Um, Martha claims the group helped save her life. And it was, it was a gift to be a part of her journey and to be a beneficiary of her leadership. Um, I think, you know, I think to sum it up, she's the kind of person who can, who has these like very sort of special instincts to guess, you know, what your unborn child's name is going to be. And then subsequently love that kid every day. So knowing her has definitely been one of the best parts of, been one of the best parts of my student affairs career. Agassi and I are both crying. <laughs> he needs a moment. He's going to stay muted. Miles, that was really, that was really great. That was really incredible. And I mean, five years, like that's such a significant amount of time, but I, I'm sure it also felt like you met her yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like vividly remember where I was when she was like, you should, you should name your son Forrest. Um, and I was just like, 
I, I don't, I don't, I was like, hmm, interesting. Well, yeah, because she's probably like, yeah, like, we're in the forest. This is great. And you're like, there are only three, two people on this planet, three, I guess, including you, who know this. Yeah, yeah. Wow. We had a, we, every year we would have this thing called the Outdoor Adventure Festival, which was kind of like the only like on-campus program that the group would put on. And um, she, she was a local kid. She was from, uh, from the area and her parents would normally, uh, well, I mean, that's not typical for, for GW. It's like, I think the number one state that GW kids come from is New Jersey and number two is California. So, I mean, it's just like, not, um, it's like less that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of Massachusetts, a lot of Massachusetts kids, but anyway, she's, she's local. And so her parents would always come down for this. And so it was really cool to, um, to get to like know her parents a little bit and, and get to talk to them about this like bond that their, that their child had with my child. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing miles. Yeah. She's a special person. Now that I've collected myself, uh, I'm back. I'm unmuted. Uh, I'm good. Uh, so <laughs> I, I mean, one, I love that story. Like truly. Wow. Uh, two, I'm also not an outdoorsy person too, <laughs> but you led a whole program. That's so wild. That's so cool though. <laughs> it's, I, I think what is, you know, that, that story really makes me think of one. I really love the fact that you said, um, it was a gift to be like part of her journey and it was a gift to be a beneficiary of her leadership. Um, cause I often think about, again, I think going back to what I just said about learning from students is that. You get to, we have the opportunity to see students sometimes at their best and sometimes at their not best. And sometimes we see students who start off not so great and then they kind of work themselves up. And sometimes we see them already great, even if they don't realize their own potential, their own power, their own strength. And we get to see them lean into those strengths at times and like be so to find themselves and to create themselves. And, you know, it, it all goes back to this idea of college being the place where you find yourself, whereas, I mean, I really think it's about creating yourself and figuring out who is the kind of person you want to be. And I mean, I can't get over the fact that she uses yarn from South Carolina. Like, right, wow, what a like moment. A, that's such a detail. Hold on, I'm going to mute myself. Just As he pulls himself together. It's really sweet. Yeah, Forrest, Forrest has a hat that um, he doesn't wear because he, he doesn't wear hats, but uh, but his sister <laughs> uh, but his sister wears it. Um, it's always the the stuff that she sends and she like would 1000% own this too. And I think it adds to the charm. She's like really, I mean, way better than me, but the knitting is like kind of haphazard. Like there's always like missed spots and I just think it makes it, <laughs> it just makes it like way more, way more endearing. So. Oh, but that's what makes it so special, you know, yeah. like it's almost like Nemo and his lucky fin. Like, like it's just like, it depends on like the spin. It's just like, it, it's that little part of it that makes it so special. And it also just, makes it feel like it's human because we aren't mm -hmm. perfect so like the things that we create are also not perfect so i feel like that's just an extension of that and understanding that things can so be so beautiful even when they're you know not every i don't know the correct term i'm so sorry if there are people who who crochet and knit out there in the world if i'm going to use incorrect lingo you know if you miss a loop or if you miss a hole like whatever it is that you call i know there's you just a keep trucking on weaving and looping and and stringing and pulling and all those things and voila blanket if anyone out there if any of our listeners know how to make mermaid blankets i'm down at my twitter just let me know i really want a mermaid blanket oh gosh okay we are not so, at all sponsored by mermaid blankets bon appetit if you're still listening we're, <laughs> we're still here for you and you can compensate us in mermaid blankets <laughs> that's the, the pay we'll take 
Max, if you're out there listening, I hope you are because this is the Saxon Podcast Mermaid Blankets. Look for 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 uh, Saxa in Norfolk. Oh, there Connection. you go. Right there on the water. I also, as a reminder to everyone, I am from the City of Live Mermaids, Wikiwachi, Florida, so it really does fit. Agassiz looking at me. I don't with this with a with a look that I should know, but I don't. Sorry. I'm gonna put you out there on a on a on a podcast, girl. Thank you. I, I love and care for you. Love and care for you too. <laughs> and last but not least, we have our very own. Erica Aguiar, who will be sharing her own story. Oh, yes. So I've already cried. I will cry during this. It's not a particularly emotional story. I'm I'm not really talking about a specific event, but really a specific student. Um, But I do think it's important to set up what I do. I know that I've talked about how I work for a scholarship program, but um, I have a cohort of students, about 1,200 on campus, who I support. And so my interactions with them can really vary. So Right now, the students that are seniors that are graduating, I've had for three years because I've been here for three years. Next year, they'll be here for four years, so that'll be a really special time. But they could come in for one meeting with me and ask me a question and then be done, and I know who they are, and we have an interaction, great. And then there's some that just do everything with us, and so I really get to know them, um, and not only in advising capacity, but sometimes in a supervisory capacity. So I have some really great student interactions, which I think is really why I got into this work, you know, I can think of a couple students who've had severe medical concerns who have come to me and been like, yeah, you know, I am hospitalized constantly and all these things are happening. I just want to talk to you about the fact that I still have an A in chem. And I'm like, excuse me? Like, I'm constantly wowed by the resiliency of students. I'm not going to talk about any of those. I'm going to talk about a student who I've known for three years and I, she's graduating this year and it like really kills me because she has just been like, I'm already crying. She's been the model of what we do. So this student, I, I don't actually remember when I met her. She's one that, she just was always there. <laughs> like our office, um, for anyone who's ever been in Tiger 135 at the University of Florida, um, I'm in the vice president's office. Agassiz is pointing a finger up because he has. So we're in the vice president's suite. So it's not really a student, it's a very student friendly place in the sense that you can come there for any concern and we're gonna get you situated. But when you think about like any other space on campus that is like a third place, right? That place that students can hang out. You don't really find yourself in our office for that. Students come to meet with me, they come to meet with our grads, they can stop by and say hello, but there's not a congregation area. This student made it her own. So she would come in. I mean, at times she'd just sit in my office and chat. And I kind of got to know her. She was a peer mentor for us. So those are students that I work with really closely. I had just started, so I was like, okay, you're here. You seem great. You're in like the same college I was as a student. You're doing really good work. And she, um, she wanted to volunteer for our social media. And she was like, y'all are not doing great. And her major was public relations or is public relations. And she's like, we need to improve this. And we were like, well, we, we can't pay you. Good experience for your resume. I don't really believe in unpaid work. But she was doing like five hours a week, nothing super significant. Um, and she started doing that, and we then the next year hired her as our student assistant. So for the last two years, she's been with our office for 10 hours a week. And at the end of her sophomore year, she experienced um, a really significant family death. And, you know, that was really when I started to, certainly not counsel, and she also, you know, was connected to our counseling center, but, you know, I've not lost a family member like that. I really started to see when we talk about 
the like hard parts of college, I really started to see that play out and how like how that affects everything. I also saw some really good things of like it really reaffirmed what our faculty are doing and how flexible they were. And you know, my sentiment was her, whatever you need, right? What what can I do? Who do I need to call? What what stuff needs to drop off the face of the earth for you? And what stuff do you really need to sustain? And you know, anytime I work with students and especially her during this, I was kind of like, what what absolutely has to happen and what can we throw away for right now? And you know, I've never had a student be that vulnerable with me. I'm someone who's very vulnerable. Um, Agassi could probably name a hundred times off the top of his head that I've cried. That's, I'm crying right now. And for her to just be really open and come in and just sob to this person that she didn't, she didn't know super well, right? This, we hadn't even hired her yet. And she, I just was blown away at her ability to, to say that and also her ability to take that summer and come back the next year and I mean, when I say this student left an impact on this campus in ways that I can't even measure, she has done such good work. Um, she has also kicked me off of our social media channels, but that's another, I'm no longer allowed to touch them. I'm not very good at the social stuff. But she has, in two years, and three years that I've known her, like, I've seen such a development. I've seen her take the hardest thing that someone can experience, like truly the hardest thing, also being, you know, the daughter of immigrants, also being first gen, low income, in an institution that wasn't built for her, and just like kill it, y'all. Like just do such good work. And she has taken everything in stride. And there, you know, there have been some difficult times for her beyond the family death. She did something in a student organization, she didn't do anything super wrong, but um, had some concerns about, you know, a something that she had done and came right to me and her first thought was to immediately apologize to me. It did not involve me, but she said, I, you are the person on campus that I come to with these concerns. I want you to know that I did this. Here's my action plan. Here's who I'm apologizing to. Is this gonna get me kicked out of UF? Which is such a first gen thing to think like, I make this one tiny mistake and I'm out. And of course she was not kicked out, but she's certainly experienced some highs and lows. And I just am constantly amazed that she comes to school every day sometimes in that she can read my mind. We're very similar. So um, if you are listening to this, I'm not going to name her. She is probably going to shut this off because she hates being complimented and all I'm doing is showing her with compliments. But she is very similar to me. She's so dedicated. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of things that I, that I think of specifically when I think of her. We have... Um, some really significant events at UF. So we have our like giving day. Thanks Agassiz for giving. Um, so it's like our big like annual day of, of gifts. And then we also have like our admissions day, right? UF does one sing singular day that students are admitted. And she spent, I mean, weeks pulling together content for this. And not because it was her job though it was, but because she knew how important it was for first gen students to feel represented, to feel seen, to feel valued. She emailed alumni that I've never heard of. She, people found her, students. She was getting all these testimonials and posted them all on our social channel so that students who were admitted or students who were celebrating this big giving day knew how important the first gen community was to UF. And I think for specific context, three years ago, um, if you were part of the first gen community at UF and you weren't part of my scholarship program, there felt like a little bit of a divide. And in three years, she has made it that it is such a cool thing to be first-gen. And I really give her a lot of credit for that because she's made it her mission to go across this campus and just 
make people not only be so proud to be first gen, but she's got the receipts. She's proving it. She is in with faculty members and she serves on this really cool board that the name I'm forgetting of, but she like reports to one of the like vice provosts. And she's like, and here's what you need to do to better support first gen. She's just such a wild advocate and has never let anything scare her. And you know, now that she's like approaching graduation, actually her graduation is this Friday, so sad that she won't get to do that in the traditional sense. It is just prompting me to think about, it's all these small moments, right? There, I can't think of one specific moment that she has just killed it, because she's always doing it. She's always fantastic. But over three years, I think there's a testament to how much she's affected me, right? We, you know, what is the like, not a joke, but the common phrase, like students, we learn so much from students, like just like they learn from us. Like I've learned so much about how to lead, how to support, about who I am, about like my own mental health journey through her. And I think that's like, that's what we're here for, right? Wow, I'm really crying. I pulled out tissues, have no fear. But, you know, I think about who were the people in my life that cared about me in undergrad. And I can, I can name them. We're going to try to have one of them on the podcast, but and this is not about me, but I, those are the people that really matter is not the people that are there when you get all these awards, though she's gotten plenty because she's so cool, but the people who are there in the really hard times and to even be someone that, like, I consider her a mentee, which I've never really had one. Oh my gosh, I'm really crying. The podcast is getting fully authentic, Erica, but I've never really considered myself someone who has, like, a mentee in the actual sense. I guess I've had mentee in orgs, but someone who I really believe, like, I'm going to follow you for the rest of your life, that came across creepy, but someone that I'm going to follow your journey, and and five years later, like Miles said, you know, this person's going to be still someone that I keep up with, it's just absolutely radical to me that um, I've I've gotten to be part of this journey, and she will never listen to this because she hates compliments, but um, I had just and I tell this to all my students, but you know, I hope you know how important you are and that we as a university, as a people are better for knowing you. And oof, that's, that's my story. That's it. <laughs> I just, it's all these small things that really matter. And I like would be a different professional without having met her and seen. <laughs> And she quickly puts herself on mute to dab her eyes with tissues. She really did prep for that, y'all. I saw her like right before that. Just there was just like tissues going across the screen. I cleared yeah. out the box. I was like, let me pull these <laughs> out now because I don't want any muffled sounds. Oh, I didn't think I'd tear up that much. You know, I, I, as as someone who, of course, is very close friends with Erica and and. As, and as someone who's heard about the student firsthand directly from Erica, um, and as someone who's not just heard stories from Erica, who's seen things online. I mean, when Erica talks about, you know, and this is, I think this is to further shower the student with compliments. Um, <laughs> when we, when I think about the, the social media accounts for the scholarship program, I mean, 100% absolutely without a doubt over the last two years, it has been, been it has grown to be phenomenal. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people out there think that social media can be this really easy thing because we all inherently know, or at least younger folks know inherently how to use social media, but to use social media in the way that she has used it to create communities and to get people engaged. And I mean, during the giving days, that social media is like on fire. 
on fire with the likes and the retweets and the commenting and the emojis, which seems so silly when you think about it. But like, again, to Erica's point, to celebrate students and to celebrate people who are doing things worth celebrating, like donating back to the scholarship program, which, you know, is something that all should do, you know, with no, <laughs> no, what is it? No amount is too small, right? No Erica? amount is too small, y'all. There you go. Um, and I, I make sure I get my little thank you note every year from the University of Florida, specifically from the Magic Florida Opportunity Scholarship Program, which helped me get through. Um, and this is also to shower, uh, to reverse shower a little bit, because I don't think Erica will ever take credit for the fact that uh, she has been an instrumental part of the student's journey. And I think what Erica is talking about with all these little moments and being there, I think when the times are tough, it's that there were a lot of those tough moments that we obviously don't talk about because they're kind of the rubber patches sometimes. But like, I know again from firsthand conversations that Erica has been at the forefront and at ground zero with the student from the get-go um, as she is with students in, in the first gen population across the board. Uh, but more specifically with, uh, I almost said her name. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I, I've tweeted out. Redacted. Her, redacted. <laughs> what does redacted mean? It means they took their complaint back. Sorry, office reference. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's gotten away from us here. I'm so sorry. Uh, but again, I think when you, you think about the, the joys and the, the gifts that students bring to us for being a part of their journeys, because I think sometimes we think so much about how students develop that we don't think about, okay, how have these students impacted us? Um, and I know one way to measure how a student has impacted Erica is if she cries. Good or bad, good or bad. Sometimes it's a little hard to detect either way, Uh, but mostly good, mostly good. We've had a lot of good cries lately. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. This was special. This was special. Yeah, everyone who's listening, think about your own, whatever that student is or whatever that moment is. It was, I wrote like a couple sentences and it was, I didn't even look at them barely because I just, it, it truly this is so lame, like flows from your heart. And I hope that you take time to also think about what your interactions have been, because that's, that's why we're here. That's the only thing that I think in some ways keeps me going when I'm staring at this kitchen wall for the first you know, yep. every day for the last six weeks, probably. Yeah, I often sometimes, <clears throat> I know I've had a good number of conversations uh, with some of my graduate students. Uh, about, you know, the work that it takes to get to the good moments. Um, and again, I think that's a, a theme we're going, we're talking about here that sometimes you, you have to go through a lot of the rougher challenging moments before you get to that one, really one big aha developmental moment. And sometimes that developmental moment doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. And sometimes they don't latch on to what you thought they were going to latch on to. I mean, there have been moments when I've prepped conversations with the students where I'm like, you know, you prepare your, your little one-liners. You're like, okay, this one is going to stick. Like, they're going to remember this for years to come. <laughs> and then? And then they're like, you remember that day that you told me, hey, what's up? That really meant a lot. And you're like, that's what you took? That's what you took? That's the one thing you got? I they got something. Whole, I got a whole soliloquy. I had examples <laughs> and analogies. And you stuck to the, hey, what's up? But again, you just don't know sometimes what is going to have an impact for people and sometimes you you don't see that impact you're like oh they don't really care and then they turn around they're like hey can you like help me with all these things you're like like me like you want to hang out like wow like let's do it you like me i'm so sorry this this conversation is definitely gone so sorry
Well, that's the, I mean, that's the beauty of this stuff, right? Is that actually, I think what you're touching on there is exactly right. Like we don't know, like what may be important to us may not be important to other people. And the, the surprise of these things I think is really, you know, on that, on that trip that I was on where, uh, where I like really sort of had this moment with the student that has evolved over the years. Um, you know, I thought that I was going and spending time with the two guides that I was actually in the Grand Canyon with, like the, we were split into two different groups and I had like really wonderful times that I think about a lot with those two students, but I thought that that's like, you know, that time was going to be where sort of the, the moment was, those were like three years or three year relationships at that point. Like I knew those students really, really well and I still keep up with them, but, um, you know, so I don't know, you never know. And I think that that's, I think that's the beauty of it. I think you just got to keep, just got to keep trying and keep doing the work and, um, you know, and what's meaningful for you may, may, you know, come at moments. I think th these were our moments of meaning, right? Like, I think it would be interesting, the exact opposite, you know, like what were the most meaningful things that we've done in our career? Um, I, I bet it's different, you know, so. Wow, what a good conversation. Yeah, so I guess to wrap up our, our chat, uh, this has been this has been uh, this has been fun. I'm still tearing up a little, so excuse me. <laughs> Same. Uh, but thank you everyone for joining us for our uh, micro moments episode uh, featuring Miles, Eric, and I. Um, again, thank you so much, Miles, for joining us in our chat today. So we our kind producer is always in the backdrop of our conversations, just listening in. Uh, while we do these recordings and it's always a great opportunity to get them on the forefront and get them talking to folks. Uh, but do you want to plug, uh, does anyone have anything to plug, any social media they want to share? I mean, y'all haven't followed me yet, so I need you to do that at Erica M underscore Aguiar, Aguiar is A-G-U-I-A-R. Come on, people. Well, the two of you have followed me, but our, our general body has not. Our general body. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for our general body, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Agassi, A-G-A-S-S-Y underscore R. Um, if you I will say if you find one of us, you'll find all of us. I do regularly <laughs> tweet about both of the folks here. So I promise if you, if you find one, maybe not so much Miles, but if you are looking for job, old job postings, you should go to Miles' Twitter. He has plenty of old job postings, including my job posting on his Twitter account, probably within a few scrolls of each other. So go on there, great content. You can see what my position used to look like three years ago. Miles, anything you want to share? As, as usual, based on that ringing endorsement, I would recommend not following me on Twitter. I would recommend, <laughs> you know, I would recommend just continuing your life as it is and not and pretending like I, that, that I'm not on that website. Um, you know, but honestly, you could follow me and it would be roughly, you could pretend like I'm not on that website because you would not see me. So, but it is, okay. Miles, isn't it about to be watermelon shake time? Oh, so people, you will see some content. I know it's around the summer, right? Listen, we're trying, we're trying to wrap up, Erica. We're trying to wrap up. We've got to close this thing out. Um, but yeah, if you want me to really have some words that flow from the heart, then I can talk about, water, about cookouts, watermelon milkshakes. Oh, my gosh. What about instead of micro moments, we call them milkshake moments. Mm. next episode um, next you, can, episode. you can follow saxa the southern association for college student affairs <laughs> facebook.com backslash saxa fan page twitter at saxa tweets and instagram at saxagrams thanks for listening y'all thanks for uh, thanks, bearing witness to my tears
bearing witness. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Hope everyone is staying safe out there. Um, and looking forward to another Micro Moments chat coming at you real soon.